Welcome to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. This week's message is The Good Life, Part 3, Blessed Are Those Who Mourn, recorded Sunday, January 21st, 2024. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Now here's Scott with today's message. Glad to have you here today, and uh, we thank you for stepping into a place where we're going to talk to you about real life, and, and hopefully it'll encourage you, you know, as you, as you walk this, this path. Uh, this picture is of Steph Curry of the Golden State Warriors. You may have heard of him. He will probably go down as one of the greatest, if not the greatest, shooter in, in the uh, history of the NBA. He's holding his three-year-old son at the time, Cannon, and this is what he says about Cannon, and this, you know, this is kind of part of the, of the story, but he says he's, he's got a hoop on his wall, and he's been testing his range a little bit, and I try to give him some pointers on how to shoot, but he won't listen. And he'll tell me, no, this is how I'm doing it. That's cute, right? But Cannon Curry... He's like a three-year-old. It's not so cute when it's us, okay? And when we talk about the good life, these beatitudes that Jesus laid out for us, we, well, last week it was blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And I, I don't know about you, but I want a good life. I want to be blessed. But I can be like a stubborn little three-year-old. How about you? Because it takes humility for me to say to my father, I need your help. I can't make this shot. I need some pointers from you. Or at some times in my life, I need you to lift me up to the basket and let me drop one in. Okay? Jesus teaches us to have a good life in the kingdom. It begins by acknowledging my being poor in spirit. And that works my way, its way from my head to my heart. And all of these Beatitudes do this. You're going to see this as a progression. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for there is the kingdom of heaven. And now today we're going to talk about something else. And this Beatitude leads me to feel something differently. And people who grasp the gravity of their sin and their need for God, they mourn. And that's what this says. It says, blessed are the mourn, are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Mourn. That's a feeling. It's an emotion. It's one we try to avoid at all costs. And as Rachel alluded to, coming from a church that's been doing a significant amount of mourning because so many of our families are hurting, I wouldn't mind not mourning for a while. You know, we're talking about mourning, and sometimes I think we think that just means people die and we're sad. But that's not the kind of mourning primarily Jesus is talking about. Jesus is talking about an appropriate emotion that we should experience because of sin. Because sin is a killer. Sin is the ultimate killer. But we don't like to mourn, do we? Like, I don't like that emotion. If I never feel it again, I'll be happy, I guess. During the peak of COVID 2020, the Harvard Business Review posted an article entitled, The Discomfort You're Feeling is Grief. And the title had me. You know, it's so striking because 
We try to suppress fear. We, su- we suppress losses. We, we suppress those emotions. You know, if you think about it, in terms of our, the historical perspective of COVID-19, so we had been on kind of a national roll, so to speak. We come out of 2008, that, that severe crash, that, that, you know, a difficult time for our country. And then we started building momentum and things were going pretty good. I mean, overall as a country. And then boom, COVID. And so David Kessler, who is quoted in this article, says, COVID and its fallout changed things. And the grief, the sadness, the mourning was unveiled. But it's not so foreign to us because we embalm. It is foreign to us, I should say, because we embalm. We use cosmetics. We use perfumes, and we close the casket so it can seem pretty. And we hide. And we run from it. Because we don't like the discomfort. We don't like the pain. And, and most assuredly, friends, listen, because this is what we're talking about today. Most assuredly, we, we run from and we hide from the mourning that comes from sin. We try to cosmedicate it. We try to dress it up. We try to make it look good. And we'll even bury it and not deal with it until we can't. See, what Jesus is showing us is something here. He's showing us that we need to mourn over the onslaught of sin in our lives. And he even says that only good can be had when there's healthy sense of mourning over the things that are bad. Blessed are those who mourn. But before we get into that, we have to make sure we hear this. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be, what? Comforted. Don't forget that. Christians aren't meant to be just like this mopey group of people who we cry out woe all the time and we're always the negative people who are throwing out death and sadness to people. No, we should be just the opposite. Because the blessed are comforted and we can bring comfort. Now, we can't bounce around like there's nothing wrong. I mean, because this world is messed up. There's something wrong if we don't mourn when the world's messed up. So what Jesus is precisely talking about in the morning is he's talking about what kills life, what kills our hope, what kills our emotions, what kills our, our, our future. And that, and that is sin. Let's talk about that for a minute. I know you want to, right? Okay, first there's the sin inside of us. That would be, admittedly, my individualistic failure. We don't like to talk about that. Things like my character and my morality, things that create devastation in me personally and thusly in the people who love me in my life the sin inside of us. Jesus Jesus addresses the heart of the human when he talks about this because we should mourn over our personal sin. Don't minimize it. Don't justify it. We don't categorize it. We don't deny it. We own it and we mourn it. We grieve it. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about this. The Holy Spirit, is, is, we are told, grieves over our sins So if we don't grieve it, that means he has to grieve more for us. That's what it says. So we don't laugh it off. Now here's the second thing. We we, we mourn over our own sins. We should. If if the Holy Spirit's working in us, we should see sin differently than we did before the Holy Spirit came into us. Here's the second thing. 
there's a sin among us. And we're talking about there. I'm talking about the kingdom of God, the church of the living God, where sisters and brothers fail and we love each other through it. And there's all kinds of examples in the Bible where we're told to mourn for each other and help each other through sin. For instance, mourning over sin is what Paul addresses when he writes the Corinthian, to the Corinthian church. And in 1 Corinthians 5, he, he brings up something in the church, sexual immorality, which was running rampant in that first century church. And there was even a man who was having an affair with his stepmother, and apparently the church was kind of celebrating it, like they wanted to throw a shower or something. They wanted to, I don't know what was going on, but they were affirming of this whole situation. And so Paul cries out to them in his letter, he says, and you are proud? Shouldn't you rather have gone into mourning? See, in this sermon by Jesus on the mountainside, something becomes more and more clear as we go through it. So hold on to your hats, okay? He's going to talk about the things that have no part in his kingdom. And he's going to bring up all kinds of things, like if the church lacks passion for reaching lost people, we should mourn that. Things like hate, anger, adultery, sexual sin, things like not keeping our word with each other. Because in his kingdom, in his place, in his church, being vengeful, being hateful, being selfish, being unforgiving, being hypocritical, being judgmental, no bueno, friend, no way. None of that belongs here with us. And so we mourn and we work on it. Now, here's the third thing. There's the sin around us, okay? That's the bigger picture worldwide thing we're experiencing and there's nobody can deny it. This broken and angry world where the masses are hurting themselves and they're hurting others and sometimes they hurt you and me. And so Paul addresses that too and, and Paul says it makes him sad. Like in Philippians, for instance, he shows us that there are enemies of Christ in the world and, and it brings sadness. Here's what he says. Philippians 3, 18. For many of whom I have often told you, and now I tell you, even with tears. You hear the mourning in that? The, the regret? The tears? They walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. And here's why he's mourning. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. And their glory is in their shame. With minds set on earthly things. What does our Jesus tell us about earthly things? They will pass away, but he's forever. And I think there's nobody in this room that can't deny that this world's messed up and that we need to mourn over that at times. You can watch the evening news. You can scan YouTube. You can listen to people as you're chatting with them at, their, at your kid's practice or you're sitting at that show choir event and you hear their life and you go, oh my goodness, man, I'm hurting for them because they're hurting. And maybe our reaction shouldn't be to correct, okay? Maybe it should be to grieve. I want to bring up something that has just been hitting me for a while. This is that time of year, you know, it was in January of, of uh, 1973 that abortion was made legal in our country. And uh, to date, there have been something like 63 million 500,000 abortions that have occurred in our country. And that's the population of the state of Nebraska times 32. 
That's the population of Grand Island by 1,060, okay? Now, life is sacred. And I think everyone should mourn when we hear something like that. And I want to say to you too, if that's part of your personal story, I think it's okay for you to mourn. It's okay for you to work through that with God. And believe me, there's mercy and grace from God for you. Believe me. But yet there has to be some mourning about it. See, here's the problem. The problem can be that we haven't grieved our own sin. And then we look at our neighbor's faults and then we feel weirdly good about ourselves. And that, you should mourn that if like, you're thinking, well, he's talking about other people on that one. You know what? You got stuff too that you probably need to mourn, okay? Disciples of Jesus don't point their finger at somebody else. We point it at ours. So I say, God, what do you want to do in my life? But that's often where the teaching or the beatitude stops. Blessed are those who mourn. No, remember, they will be comforted. They will be comforted. Now, let's talk about that for a minute. Why is mourning death so natural and so appropriate. We have a promise in the body of Christ. If we're a part of Jesus, that we're not going to die eternally, that we're going to live forever, that we're going we're to have a place called heaven, whatever that becomes, a new heaven and a new earth, which I'm excited about, but I'm not ready for yet because I'm afraid to, to step into that. I'm just being honest. I don't know what that means, so it makes me fearful. But my pain keeps me from longing for that. But I will say this, death is not natural. When a child dies, that's not natural. When a young person is sick to the, to the point of death, that's very unnatural. But guess what? When a 96-year-old person dies, that's not natural either. You know why? Because we weren't created to die. We were created to live. And that's why we need Jesus. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be, what? Comforted. Sometimes the children of the kingdom mourn. We grieve. You know, we can talk all about emotional intelligence and emotional health, and I've got to tell you, sin and suffering knocks that right out of the park, okay? <laughs> because it, mourning's a real thing. Now, I like kind of how Michael Card explains this. He, he uses the, the word mourning and mourning in our language are homophones. That means that they're spelled differently, but they sound the same. And, and he talks about that. He says, perhaps what links the two words together is the fact that they both represent moments when we wake up. Clearly, mourning, M-O-R-N-I-N-G, is a time when we open our eyes to a new day. But in a deeper sense, mourning, M-O-U-R-I-N-G, R-N-I-N-G, we're also opening our eyes. It's an occasion when we come to our senses with a new tear-cleansed vision for the world. And I will tell you, being in the position of walking with really hundreds of people through mourning, I will tell you this is true, that it's an opportunity for a new vision, to see the world in a new way, to see your own life in a new way, 
to, to change things in your life that are breaking you apart? How are we comforted when we mourn? Well, here's some ideas. We are comforted because of salvation. Knowing that Jesus came to save us and, and eradicate the thing that kills us. He did it, by the way, and you know this if you've been in the church at all or even just listened, even, even maybe benignly paid attention. You know this, that, that he was willing to step into our world to take our sin upon himself, to bring comfort, to bring forgiveness for you and me. We take our sins to Jesus because he took our sins to the cross and we can experience forgiveness, his perfect life given over his sacrificial death for us to give us a new life. And he was raised in the morning. Remember that? Early in the morning. We're comforted by that if we have faith in him. We are comforted by ministry from believers to others. We find comfort in the, in the future of Christ, but it happens because others comfort us. I love this verse. This is one of my favorite verses in the entire scriptures. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the, God, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us with the comfort that we ourselves have received from God. When Rachel Lang talks about this one ministry that we have, what we see is that people who themselves are, have learned from comfort and are growing in comfort, they can step in and offer some to someone who's going through trouble. I love it. And we find comfort in our future hope, Psalm 35, weeping our mourning, M-O-U-R-N-E-I-N-G, may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning, M-O-R-N-I-N-G. One day, We'll have a morning, a resurrection morning. Whether it's when we die before he returns or whether he returns and we all go to be with him, we're going to have a morning. And it's going to be a beautiful morning. It's going to be a resurrection morning. Revelation 7, 17, God will wipe every tear from our eyes. Death shall no be, be no more, neither will there be any mourning, M-O-U-R. N-I-N-G, or crying or pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. That's our future in Christ. That's what shall be. It is certain for those who are in the kingdom of God. Certain. It cannot be taken from you because Jesus is in it and Jesus is here and Jesus is now and he'll walk with you to it. That's who we are what shall be. Heard a really good story about this just this week. Um, I read it uh, about a man named Pat McLeod. Pat is a national speaker, uh, the author who co-wrote a book called Hit Hard, One Family's Journey of Letting Go of What Was and Learning to Live Well with What Is. And he talks about how he was speaking at a conference and the topic was on mourning from Matthew chapter 5, 4. 
and he thought it was a pretty good speech. Afterwards, a conference attendee pelted, came and pelted him with questions, like in a very agitated way. He said, have you ever suffered? Have you ever lost someone? Have you ever really mourned? And he said, man, how's it knocked me off, you know? And, and judging from his tone, he said, I, he was very agitated. He wasn't looking for answers, he said. He just wanted to tell me that I didn't know what I was talking about. He's making a statement. And he said, you know, I was caught off guard, and, and I guess I just said, no, not really. <laughs> and he nodded disapprovingly and walked away and said, that's what I thought. Never saw him again. He said, the guy who asked the loaded questions, were, well, he was right, and then this happened. He said, I got a phone call, that dreaded phone call that no parent ever wants to get. The call that told me that my 16-year-old son had been injured on a football field and was being airlifted to a hospital and would undergo emergency brain surgery. And my son survived that surgery and the four that followed, but a significant point, a portion of his brain did not. And the privileged life that had insulated me from any real suffering or mourning disappeared. It was my first understanding of what Jesus really meant when he said, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. I mean, what is the blessedness? What is the comfort? He said, it's 11 years since our son Zach was disabled. He said, some profound emotional, intellectual, and even physical experience occurred in that moment that will change me forever. One was when Zach's school opened up their gymnasium for a prayer vigil, and what a gift. But the hardest thing you could ever imagine, a prayer vigil for your child. It was truly a gift. Said they sang two of Zach's favorite songs. They offered a moment of silent prayer. The organizers invited a few of Zach's school friends to share a brief tribute to what Zach was experiencing and the person himself. Mike, a leader on the football team, stood to speak. He told a story of sitting next to Zach on a bus ride. Zach had fallen asleep while reading his Bible. Noting that Zach's Bible had slid off his lap to the floor, Mike picked it up. Curious, he started reading what Zach had been reading, and he read from the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus promised, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. The moment that Mike read that beatitude at the vigil, a light went on inside of me and it compelled me to offer a few comments to the crowd who had gathered. I wasn't intending to do that. But he said, I stood and I said, how happy are those who are sad? And I confessed I had a lot to learn about what that means. But one thing that I knew is he did not mean that grief, sorrow, and loss are not real and not painful. And I also admitted that I'd never felt such overwhelming sadness as I was currently feeling. I was driving away, and what followed was my eruption of indescribable consolation. I went from sorrow to consolation, and it came from my realization that my pain was pulling me to a story greater than mine, greater than ours, 
and even our small story in the moment. My grief was pulling me to the story of a father who had endured the suffering of his own son and who felt and who understood and who could sympathize with me and comfort me in my pain in the moment. How does blessing come through mourning, he says? I'm still no expert on mourning. But the blessedness of God's comfort, the sense of peace, the unshakable joy, the love, the consolation, the life, and communion, it did not, could not, cannot remove the pain, but it can get me through. Get me through. How does that work? Just three quick things. First of all, Moments of mourning help me to see the world as it really is. It just simply does. And we can try to hide it and ignore it and sanitize it, make it feel good. But there's injustice, there's suffering, there's evil in this world. My mourning acknowledges both the good and the evil in the world. Second thing, through mourning, it helps me see myself as I really am. And that's not so easy. Because i got to lament sometimes over the effect of my sin in the world and how it's affected me and others. And there's something healthy about that, friend. When we commune together, that's a good time to say to God, God, there's some things about me that you and I can still work on. And if you're not doing that during communion, you're probably, not, you're probably missing an opportunity. Here's a third thing. Moments of intense suffering and mourning, they give us a glimpse to who God really is. And who is God? Well, at one sense, God is the crucified Jesus. It says he was despised and rejected by mankind. That, that he is a man of suffering. He, that he's familiar with pain. I mean, like one from whom people hide their faces and he was despised. And we held him in low, low esteem. And surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. And man, that's hard to hear, but it's something to be comforted by. Lord, as we commune in this moment, we'd like to just be able to like turn the switch now and say, okay, everything's great. I feel sanitized again. I feel, I feel like I, I feel better. Some of us don't feel better. Some of us are hurting. It might be because we've lost someone and, or we're in the, at the verge of losing someone we love dearly and we just don't know how. And some of us have not been honest with who we are. And we've tried to sanitize our own failures, somehow thinking that they'll go away because we do that. And we cosmedicate them. And we beautify them when in fact... They still stink, and they still cause death. And then there's those of us who actually have tied into the comfort of God, and we now have a ministry to others that we need to step into because of the comfort we ourselves have received. And Lord, in this moment, may we identify ourselves and find ourselves in the mercy of a Jesus who steps in and understands and takes upon you the sin that will kill us.
and raises us from that sin into life. What a celebration, Lord. We're grateful. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Just thinking about singing that song and how that's no simple song. That is one of the deepest prayers you'll ever pray. You know, really, seriously, I mean, here's my heart, here's my life, and then here's the scary part, speak what is true. And I'm, I'm convinced that there are many people here today who the piercing truth that you've heard is, I gotta stop trying to make the shot without help. I gotta stop thinking I can do this on my own. I gotta stop being that three-year-old who keeps trying over and over and won't take what my father will give me to make me the person that he intends for me to be. And you know what? He'll do it. Simple as that. If you'll come to him, if you'll yield your heart and life to him, he'll do it. But that's on you now. There's a part that you gotta play in that. There's a willingness that you gotta have. And then things change. Scripture talks about how when a person believes in the Lord Jesus Christ, they'll be saved. Talks about how when we repent of our sins, we're baptized into Christ Jesus, he forgives us of our sins, he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And we're also given the gift of the Holy Spirit to walk with us from that point on. And some of you, you're just there, you're like, I'm sick of this life the way I've tried to ruin it. I'm gonna trust him now. Do it. Believe me, when you mourn that, he'll comfort you. Believe me. There's some of us here too, like we've been hearing this story a long time and we've been living it somehow. But we're just in that place where, you know, maybe we've gotten a little bit lackadaisical in our walk with the Lord and it's time for us to step up to something different. Maybe for you it's serving, like, you know, the things that Rachel talked about where maybe that's a ministry you see yourself stepping into, that you can help the grieving and she talked about one aspect of that, but there's all kinds of ways you can come alongside people who are hurting in our church. And it's not just people who are suffering through the loss of a loved one. It's, you know, it's our Celebrate Recovery Ministry. It's, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's coaching a, a, a group of young people. It's, it's stepping into our kids' ministries. There's all kinds of ways that people bring comfort and hope. And maybe that describes you. It's time for you to step in. I don't know. All I know is that he's calling you to something and uh, he won't let you down. Thanks for listening to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. Please join us for one of our worship services at 9, 10, 15, or 11.30 a.m. in Grand Island and at 10, 15 a.m. in Broken Bow on Facebook Live and at thirdcityc.online.church each Sunday. For more information about Third City Christian Church, send email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Call us at 308-384-5038 or visit us online at thirdcityc.org.